Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Hey, and welcome to episode 19, where we talk about all things being a range safety officer. I've got my good friend and my brother from another mother, Dennis Haynes, back on with me this evening. Uh, You may remember him from our gun safety uh, episodes part one and part two. If you haven't listened to those yet, I recommend you going back and listen to that. The gun safety definitely ties into the range safety officer. And when Dennis and I first started this, he actually did the very first podcast with me on gun safety. And we talked about then doing one on being an RSO, a range safety officer. So I want to welcome back Dennis W. Haynes to the program. How are you, Dennis? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. These are these are fun to do. So I'm glad you're doing this with us again. So I'll spare us a brief intro because again, if you listen to part one and uh, our very first episode, uh, podcast one and part one and two of gun safety, you know who Dennis is by now. So I would ask that you go back and listen to those. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what a range safety officer is and uh, kind of why we got certified to be that, uh, what's involved with being a range safety officer and some war stories and then some tips along the way, too, of what to expect at the range and what you should and shouldn't be doing. So uh, what is a range safety officer? What is an RSO? Well, it's a individual or individuals that are at the range to look over everyone's safety, to make sure everyone's following uh, proper gun safety rules, handling their firearms correctly, and, uh, you know, are, are brave enough to go up and give some, uh, some critiques and, and critical feedback to those that may not be doing what they should be safely. Uh, what would you add to that? You know, if you Google it, it says that a range safety officer is someone who supervises shooting activities prescribed by the uh, range SOP, right? And yeah. as you know, when we took our course, that um, following the range, following, understanding and following the range SOP was very key um, role for the range safety officer. Yeah, that's a good point. And Dennis and I went through we became and went through uh, NRA's uh, certification for being a range safety officer. And that's a really good point because my key takeaway from that certification was really not only being competent in gun safety rules and being willing to enforce those, but also the key was to follow the ranges SOP that you were working at. So knowing what that range ranges rules are and following what they want you to follow and follow what they want you to enforce out on the range at any given time. Yeah. And, you know, for the average shooter, someone coming in, it's important that they look for the range rules also so they know and understand what's expected from them or of them as a shooter. Absolutely. And that's a great point, too, is that a lot of ranges, if not most ranges, have safety rules posted around the place. If not, a lot of them will have you walk through a basic safety video or welcoming course, whatever, just to kind of get you familiar with what the expectations out on course. But the general gist and takeaway is, is that you should be following those basic gun safety rules at all time. And that's, and that's really the main point of, of what an RSO is and what they do for that range. It comes up a lot. There's a lot of ranges, at least in my mind, there's a lot of ranges that don't 
um, support RSO or don't, what I mean by support is they don't necessarily have them employed on staff all the time out on the range with you. Cause of course we know one local range here that actually employs RSOs or is a part of their employees job responsibilities to act as an RSO out on range. I guess the question in my mind comes up in your opinion, Dennis, do you think ranges should employ more RSOs? Should uh, there be more RSOs on the range to help people, especially newbies? <laughs> I do, because as you said, there's a local range that actually has RSOs as part of their staff, and um, there's another local range that never has an RSO out on the range, and I've gone to both and have talked to shooters at both, and I can tell you I've heard more than on one occasion that uh, speaking with shooters at the range that does not have an RSO, um, those experienced shooters say that they get nervous out there watching um, new shooters get out there and start walking around with their guns loaded, flagging people and whatnot, and just doing a lot of silly little things. So I I definitely would tell you that um, having a range safety officer on um, just brings more comfort to the shooter. Completely agree. Yeah, I think um, that's something that I've heard uh, thematically over the years, too, is that a lot of patrons of ranges wish that they would be more active in uh, overseeing the range and enforcing just some basic gun safety, because, you know, it's not until you work a range and you're in a range regularly whether you're just shooting or especially acting as an RSO that you get to, you begin seeing a lot of the unsafe practices and some of the shenanigans that go out on the range. But, you know, in fairness to the ranges, it's a bit of a challenge, right? Because potentially it's, it's more pay for employees to act as that RSO. I think that's why some make it, um, I guess maybe, I don't know how they're doing it, but perhaps a, a prerequisite, to their employment that, Hey, as you know, if you work around the behind the counter, that's great. But part of your responsibilities is going out on range and acting RSO for, you know, an hour or two as your shift and rotating out. And another way to do it is kind of like what you and I experience where a range office offers a volunteer program where they have volunteers come in and do it. But I think the challenge there is, is getting, you know, competent individuals that, not only can enforce range safety, but have the time and are willing to show up regularly and consistently for that volunteer role. And so I think there's a couple of challenges behind that, but suffice it to say, an RSO can certainly make the range experience better overall, uh, safer overall. And uh, I think the public would prefer to have it if they knew it was a possibility to begin with, to your point. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm not a range owner, obviously, but I do recall during the course that one of the benefits of the RSO to the range itself, it, it helps on their insurance. Now, I can't confirm or deny that, but it would make sense to me, right? So, yeah, it seemed to. Yeah, I, given that, I don't understand why more ranges would not employ RSOs. And like you said, even on a volunteer basis, um, there's a lot of guys out there that would be willing to be a range safety officer if you just allow them to shoot for free. Right? Yeah. So it's not a it's not a big cost for them. A, a fringe benefit for sure. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, there's an opportunity for ranges to consider that role as part of their offering because it, it only serves to make things safer, at least uh, in theory, I think in practicality as well. And then it gives shooters peace of mind, especially uh, to, I think what you said a few minutes ago to new shooters, right? Coming out there for the first time, they're not sure what to expect. They're dealing with, I know a lot of new shooters that have never shot before just are having a hard time acclimating and dealing with the loud sounds of the of the guns discharging all at one time, everything from little 22s all the way up to big bore rifles and uh, 12 gauge shotguns, which can be a little disconcerting to any new shooter. Yep. I know part of the being an RSO is getting to see and experience some of the shenanigans firsthand. Uh, do you have any stories you want to talk about? Cause I have a few, <laughs> Uh, just the ridiculous things you see and blatant violations of basic gun safety 101. Right? <laughs> um, I have to say I've had to call ceasefire a few times. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, I think about that too. You know, anyone that's been on a range, if, you know, you're on an eight-lane range and you're down in lane one and someone, as you state, uh, performing shenanigans down in lane eight, right? And, causing an unsafe condition for everyone else on the range, the personal lane one will never have an idea of what's going on. So, you know, having that range safety officer as a center point, right, to ensure safety on the, on the range and on the fire line is important. But I had an incident when uh, we uh, were on the range, and I gave that scenario with the two lanes because we had a lane where uh, – Lane 8 was down doing something, and Lane 1 didn't know, and the guy on Lane 8 was holding his weapon wrong, and he ended up getting um, slide bite where, as you know, he had his thumb, be thumb behind the slide mm. holding his weapon incorrectly, and slide came back and ripped off a good piece of meat, and he started bleeding all over the place. And, of course, when it happened, he panicked and started waving the gun, the loaded gun with his finger still on the trigger with his with his with his firing hand and um, his wife was there. She was concerned with him bleeding. So I immediately had to call cease fire, right? And give me, get everyone back off of the line so I can get to him and uh, control the weapon. And then eventually once we controlled the weapon, got it in a safe condition, we was able to perform minor first aid on him, but I had everyone stand back off the line because this guy, because he was wailing around with the gun, had blood all on the bench and in front of the line, and we ended up having to clean everything up, right? So, you know, you get a lot of people standing by and looking at that, and you got to think, what, what, have, what would have happened if there wasn't an RSO on duty and this guy was doing all that, you know? because he was more concerned about himself being hurt rather than being concerned about the safety of others. Absolutely. And I think you make kind of a excellent point indirectly is that that's a key takeaway from this too, and kind of a safety element that isn't talked about in the context of gun safety rules per se, is that when you're out on the range, you're, you could have things go wrong. You could have something bad happen, especially to someone new, newer to shooting or isn't fully competent in shooting or just isn't comfortable in shooting. You know, like 
holding the uh, semi-automatic pistol with the thumb behind the slide is a good case of that. I think it's safe to say that you and I have seen a whole lot of that happen out on the mm-hmm. range. And I know, I, I, I think you've done the same thing. When I see that, I, I go and try to correct that uh, and, and try to teach them the proper way of holding a semi-automatic so that they avoid that, that thumb bite, because that's a real, that's a real uh, risk when they do hold their pistols in that manner. And you make a good point because when things go south like that, when you have a slide bite your thumb or you have a piece of hot brass go down the front of your shirt, ladies, or the back of your shirt, whatever it is, you know, people tend to focus on the event at hand and sometimes handling that firearm becomes secondary and they the safety rules go out the window. They're more concerned with dealing that hot brass that gets hung up down the front of the their shirt, down in their chest, whatever it may be, or they have a bad uh, slide bite from that semi-automatic pistol. You know, it's important that when those things do occur, that you remain cognizant of the safety rules and where your, your firearm is and that you Put it on safety. You put it down, and then you deal with the the more immediate emergency of the brass being down the shirt or the slide biting the thumb, whatever it is. Yeah, but you know we're human. Yep. And you know when something happens, especially for someone that's untrained, the, the instinct is to take care of yourself first. And I understand that, right? Yeah. So that's what happens. Yeah. Right. Um, a lot of times, you know, folks do that and aren't really concerned about what's going on around them other than their immediate need to stop the pain <laughs> for the most part. Like. Yeah, right. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing beats a piece of burning uh, brass down the front of your shirt, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a good case right there in and of itself for why an RSO can be a valuable asset out on the range because – you know, if they're doing their jobs, they're looking to oversee everything that's happening across however many lanes there are. And then if they are paying attention, they're able to spot those scenarios and get on top of them before they potentially turn into more dangerous situations where folks are spinning around in their aisle with the gun pointing back behind them instead of downrange. So a couple of takeaways there. I remember even before, and I think I told this story maybe in one of our earlier podcasts, I remember, I want to say it was even before I became an RSO, uh, Raymond was in town and I took him to the range and he was on an aisle shooting and I was back behind him at one of the tables there in the range, reloading one of my magazines. And at the time, the range uh, had, I think, done some sort of Groupon, um, coupon type thing. And what I saw with the Groupon deal was it brought in a lot of new shooters, shooters that wouldn't normally go to the range. It was a good opportunity. It was a very good deal, if I remember right. And you could always tell them because, A, you knew they were a Groupon uh, group. If they came in and you happened to be out at the counter before they checked in, you knew what they were there for, but you could kind of spot them too at the time because you knew the Groupon was running. And a lot of the times the folks that had, you know, the rental uh, ear protection, eye protection and the little uh, uh, container, the bucket, so to speak, that they put the rental guns into, you know, you could kind of spot them from across the room. 
uh, at that time if you knew they were running Groupon. And I remember a couple came in shooting together, clearly their first time. And I was back on that table, wasn't even working that day. And like I said, I think it was before I became a range safety officer. And I remember the woman turning around in the booth with pistol in hand, finger on the trigger, walking straight towards me. And I panicked for a moment And then I realized I had no idea what she was doing and I wasn't going to let just anything happen. So as she approached me, my eyes locked with her. And I remember very vividly without taking my eyes off of her eyes, I reached out with my left hand and very carefully and gently took the firearm out of her hand and said, let's go back to the booth and let's be sure not to come out of that booth with a loaded weapon again. And it turned out, It was innocent enough. They didn't know what to do with the firearm. They wanted to take a break from shooting and they wanted to know where the safety on the firearm was because they didn't know. And um, it was just a matter of showing them that, hey, this is a striker fired weapon. Not all weapons have an external safety to turn on and off. At the end of the day, the real safety is you, the operator, and you're your safety is keeping your finger off of that trigger. So I proceeded to show them how to unload it and how to slide the, the, you know, how to slide the slide back, take the round out of the chamber and put the firearm down on the counter and then reminded them again, not to come out of that booth with a loaded weapon again. So, you know, whether you're RSO or not, you'll see a lot of crazy things, but suffice it to say, acting as uh, volunteer range safety officers like we did. We had the opportunity to see a lot of a lot of crazy stuff out on the range. Yeah, we have. I've seen a lot. You know, in, in saying that, seeing a lot, it, it, as a range safety officer, you have to uh, – takes a certain nerve to do it too because you do see a lot and people do a lot of crazy things. I've been nervous a lot of times, you know, <laughs> very similar to the incident you've had. I've seen people out there, young people that have not – shot before or, or new shooters um, or experienced shooters, I should say, out there taking pictures of themselves holding up guns, you know, and I use the word guns, and like in um, showing off as if they're in a gang or something. And they're on the range doing this, you know. I have no idea if the weapon's loaded, if the finger's on the trigger <laughs> or anything else. And it makes you kind of nervous. Right. Well, to your point, you know, when you're taking those selfies, because that's a that's a thing these days, right? We all have got smartphones with the with social media. You know, you're bound to take a selfie or two or have someone take a picture of you. You know, naturally, those pictures are with you facing uprange, meaning you and that weapon are likely pointing in the incorrect direction in order to take that picture. And as a third party, as an RSO looking on that you're seeing this person turned the opposite direction, the direction they're not supposed to be facing, holding up the firearm to have their buddy take a picture of it, right? Um, that's definitely a, a good example of some of the things we see, especially now with social media and, and folks wanting to take pictures of themselves. And I get it, right? I think that's, I don't know about you, but that's one of the things I did enjoy about being an RSO. And I think we did it for about a year and a half uh, volunteer basis in the overall scheme of things. I think it was about a year and a half. That was one of the things I really did enjoy about that job 
um, was seeing like-minded individuals on the range doing something they all enjoyed or wanted to try out or take part in. And I, I really did enjoy that aspect. Like all shooters are there for the same reason. They're enjoying the same activity. But it's important to remember there's still some basic safety that we need to make sure that is uh, adhered to at all times. So on that note, I know what my two are. What are your top violations you think you saw in, in that time there? What do you think you saw the most? Um, top violations? I would say, given the golden rules of safety, people continually keeping their finger on the trigger and not having the weapon pointed downrange. Yeah. I think, I think that's one of the top violations I see. And I think the second one is um, shooting outside of their lane. Um, I I tend to see. What do you mean? Yeah, I tend to see people coming farther out of the booth than necessary, or even sometimes um, shooting so far ahead of the table, right, and, and leaning over the table that rounds are ejecting into the next booth. Yeah. Because, you know, I think those were my two biggest things, um, with the latter being um, more so. I've, I've corrected so many people, say so you need to step inside the booth before you shoot. Hmm. Yeah, the shooting forward of the bench, so to speak, you know, getting too far out there, you know, causes, to your point, in semi-automatic pistols and rifles, especially pistols, uh, when your arms are extended, causes those brass, expended brass shells to go over to your in front of your neighbor's uh, booth, which is distracting to them. And, you know, they're getting hit with your hot brass. Uh, so that's a that's a good point to remember for those listening. Like, don't extend beyond your booth, like stay inside those walls because those walls help keep in your brass. Uh, my two were my two main violations that I saw were your two. Uh, first, I saw fingers on the trigger when they shouldn't be folks laying set, whether they're setting down their gun or turning around in their booth, which they shouldn't be doing. I saw a lot of fingers on the trigger in a lot of cases where the uh, finger should not be on the trigger. Right. That's the what the the second uh, gun safety rule, right, is trigger off the finger, uh, finger off the trigger until ready to shoot, meaning the fingers not only off the trigger, but outside that trigger guard. I saw a lot of fingers on triggers at a lot of times they shouldn't have been. And then uh, my second biggest that I saw was not watching where the business end of that gun was pointing, the muzzle of that gun was pointing, whether it's at their partner in the booth with them, turning around and flagging, meaning pointing that firearm at people indiscriminately behind or uprange, you know, from them behind them, just out behind the alleyways. I think those two are really big. So if you're following the first four uh, gun safety rules, those weren't, won't be such an issue for sure. You know, when it comes to safety and RSO or just safety and enforcing SOPs and whatever, what do you think gun ranges overall could do a better job of? 
You know, there's a local range down here that has everyone, and they're one of the ranges that have range safety officers employed, but what they do is they have every shooter watch a safety video. Yeah. Because, again, right, the new shooter coming into a range, there's no range safety officer. There's, um, in some ranges, don't even have range rules posted, right? And let's just say, worst-case scenario, you have the scenario where you don't have a range safety officer, you don't have range rules posted. You get someone that, you, like you said, got a Groupon to go shoot at half price. <laughs> they they give them bullets and a gun and they walk into range, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> that is chill. worst case scenario. That's a worst case scenario. Yeah. So, you know, I think at a minimum, you know, um, the rangers should have folks watch a range safety film right, and go through some of the key range rules. Yeah. So if there's not a range safety officer on duty, at least, you know, that shooter has an idea of what's expected from them for, you know, for the range. Yeah. Now, having a range safety officer to remind and enforce that just makes it better for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would think that's my thing because I, I wrestle, right? I I wrestle with the idea because I get it right. It's a business that are there to make money. They can't, they can't take time out to take 10, 15 minutes aside out while they're busy checking people in at the gun counter range to get them out on range to shoot. They can't take 10, 15 minutes out to pull a newbie to the side and show them the ins and outs of the gun they may have rented, or maybe they just recently purchased. They don't have time to run through those, those safety rules and give them some guidance on things to do, not to do, uh, the basic workings of a, of a firearm before they go out. And I know a lot of ranges do that, right? They try to give them a once over. They'll ask, is this your first time? Are you, are you new at this? And any gun they rent, you know, they try to give them a brief once over of that weapon. But, you know, in the spirit of their time and, and making running an efficient business, I think that video to your point is a good way to kind of cover at least the the fundamentals, the basics, right? To give everybody like, here are basic gun safety rules. Here's some things we like to do and, and insist upon here at this range, just to kind of give you a foundation. And then if you got an RSO out on range, that just helps bring it all together. But doing more up front for those new shooters, I think is something that all ranges could do a little bit better job at for sure. Yeah. And I think that would be the main thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, having done this, like I said, for a year and a half, what, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on what it takes to be an RSO and, and what you have to be uh, willing to do um, when you're acting as an RSO out on range? What do you, what do you think is involved in that? And what do you think it takes? Um, I think just to become an RSO, you should have a good understanding of, basic gun discipline, right? Understand clearing of a weapon, you know, um, know how to shoot yourself. I'm not saying you have to be an expert, but you sh should be familiar with things because, as you know, being a range safety officer, you, although the range SOP may state that, you know, you shouldn't be out there assisting people with shooting, but there are a lot of times when... Shooters out there, they have no idea, you know, shooting a semi, 
they raise their hand, they're panicked because they got a stovepipe, they have no idea what to do, right? They pull the trigger, the gun went bang, nothing happened, they have no idea what to do. And as a range safety officer, you need to be able to learn how to, or to know how to help that shooter clear that weapon. Yeah. So I think without, you know, that basics understanding of, of guns and gun discipline, it'll be difficult to be a proficient um, range safety officer. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really it. I think, you know, anything else is just really up to the individual, but in general, I think that, that that's a necessity. Yeah, no, I agree. I think being able to address the things that come up is certainly a part, part of it. Uh, for me, you know, I think in terms of what does it take for me to do that job? And I know, you know, I'm not an outgoing social person, not type a personality, but I know in that role, you kind of had to make yourself be that because you're dealing with potentially dangerous situations. So for me, uh, what it takes is a willingness to approach someone that's doing something maybe not all out dangerous is going to get everyone in trouble, but just little things that you can do to make things safer for them and for everyone else around them. Like for example, a mild case may be correcting someone the way someone is holding their semi-automatic pat uh, pistols uh, so they don't get slide bite, right? That's just an accident waiting to happen. I've seen it so many times where you just kind of cringe because you're waiting on the, trigger to get pulled and that slide to come back over the top of that thumb knuckle. And so, you know, the willingness to go up to them and, and offer help and showing them how to properly hold that firearm. So they avoid that, uh, potential injury, but just the, the ability and willingness to approach an individual and correct them. And I think the ability to give uh, constructive criticism in a firm but friendly manner is absolutely key to be an RSO, right? You can't, you can't soft step it so much. You have to call them out on what they've done and correct it. And then, you know, if they continue to violate what you've corrected them on, then you have to kind of escalate as you go along. But I think that willingness to approach folks that you would, you know, if you were at the range shooting, you may not approach. Although a lot of cases, I don't know about you, but I've been at the range shooting on my own and I've seen something unsafe, like somebody loading their weapon at the table behind me. And I've approached them and be like, hey, you guys need to load and unload your weapon in the booth, not behind me at the table. Right. So that you know, kind of getting you out of that comfort zone of being willing to approach people when you normally wouldn't necessarily, and then being able to give them corrective feedback, uh, I think is uh, an important part of being an RSO for sure. Yep, I agree. I agree. I know the time I had as an RSO, I enjoyed it. You know, um, I enjoy talking to people, working with people, watching shooters. Um, fortunate for us, the range we were at had a lot of law enforcement and um, FBI agents, and you know we've had a lot of uh, contractors yeah. come in. You know, guys come in that have more money than sense and bring all kind of crazy weapons into the range. Um, so that part of it was always fun. Yeah, there was always something new going on you know it was never a dull moment 
and you think just I think that's common in most jobs, right? If you if you're busy, the time goes fast and it's more enjoyable. It's those times when it's one shooter out there and you know he's an experienced shooter, he doesn't need any help, and it's just you and him out there on the range. Right? Time goes really slow. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I've met a lot of interesting people, some you know, crazy people with a lot of money that have a lot of fun toys. And fortunately, again, kind of going back to the point I made earlier, I really enjoyed seeing being around and seeing people shoot. Uh, I've met a lot of people that have allowed me to shoot their firearms that I wouldn't have an opportunity to shoot. Otherwise I've let them shoot my firearms when the, when the opportunity presents itself, you know, it's just a lot of camaraderie, a lot of opportunity to talk to people you wouldn't otherwise be able to talk to and, you know, all for a common interest, right? Wait a minute. You let other people shoot your firearms that you don't know and you haven't even let me shoot them. I, I have, I have. Yeah. I, I still owe you a few rounds on a couple of goodies that I have in the closet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the great part of it. And I think, you know, going back to my original point, I think there's a way to work with folks to let them know that they're, you're there to help them, to make them better. I, I think uh, you probably took advantage of that sometimes more than I did and that you take it as an event, as an opportunity to teach somebody something new, like whether it's how to properly hold their pistols so they don't get slide bite or how to properly align their sights so they can shoot better or their breathing or their stance, whatever it is. It's not just about correcting them when they make a safety faux pas, but I looked at it as an advantage when I saw, especially when I saw something glaringly, obviously not as good as it could have been to help them out if they were willing to take my input on that. And I can't tell you, I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many times I had guys uh, thank me uh, for helping their significant other, you know, their girlfriend, their wives or whatever out because they wouldn't listen to their husbands or their boyfriends. But because I came up and introduced myself, they were totally w willing to listen to me and immediately incorporate that feedback into how they were, were shooting that day. And, uh, I got a lot, of, I got a lot of pats on the back and thank yous for that. So that was a good part of that role as well. Oh Yeah. Outside of being a range safety officer, absolutely. I've had people come and say, hey, can you teach my son and wife to shoot? Because they just won't listen to me. <laughs> they just won't listen to me. But some strange, perfectly good stranger they'll listen to and follow immediately. And, you know, that was the great thing, too. And not to toot my own horn because it just happened to be circumstance. But I had a lot of situations where I'd go up and give tips or pointers, tricks, whatever it was that I was telling the individual and it wasn't just you know women or or young ladies that i was telling this to whoever it was but they immediately saw improvement in what they were doing out on that range too so it's not just about criticizing someone because they're not following the rules it's about building the community and making better shooters hopefully at the end of the day yes absolutely so for me, you know, I asked the question, what can you do to support your range safety officers? And I think the first one is being open to feedback and not getting offensive. Like you 
if you're if you're doing something the RSO deems potentially unsafe or is blatantly unsafe, not to be standoffish, not to act like you're the one that knows better than they do, uh, you know your gun's unloaded, whatever the situation is, I think one of the things that you can absolutely do to support any range safety officer that's out there working for you, because that's what they're really doing at the end of the day, is to be open to their feedback and their direction. What would you say is something that you can do to support them? Um, I, I, I would agree to you. The first thing is being receptive and open. Right? Don't take offense when range safety officer is correcting you because he's looking out for your safety and welfare along with everyone else on the range. So I think that's the main thing to support your range safety officer. And, you know, I've had people after giving them correction, tell them that they're doing something that's against the range rule, really get upset about it. Yeah. And so be open and willing to take that feedback. Cause at the end of the day, they're not only trying to make you a, maybe not a better shooter, but certainly hopefully a safer shooter, not just for you, but for everyone around you. So you may think you're safe, but if the range safety officer on duty sees something that they think is unsafe or potentially unsafe, it's good to take their input and feedback and process it and incorporate it into whatever it is you're doing and not get an attitude about it. I, I think that's that's really the biggest thing that you can do to support the RSO. And just know that the RSO is there to support you. Like he's not just, again, he's not there just to make you a safer shooter. He's got everybody else on that range in mind too because you're not the only one there shooting. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> not a whole lot more to say about that, is there? No, there listen, isn't really. Listen to your local friendly RSO. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so what are some tips and takes takeaways, uh, being RSO? I, I know a couple for me that come to mind, um, is obviously listen to the RSO and the other one that I think we experience, and we don't have to go down in the rabbit hole on this, but you know, if there is a conflict, um, and what I'm thinking about is the range and the RSOs that they have on duty. If there is a conflict, someone doesn't see eye to eye and what's being addressed or or uh, critiqued is to not uh, have the debate and argument in front of the client, in front of the customer out on range, take that offline, deal with it later, go with whoever's got the authority out on range at the time that the feedback was given. And so uh, I'd say those are my two biggest uh, tips and takeaways related to uh, RSOing. Uh, what would you say are yours? Um, you know, I think when it comes to that, one of the main things, again, is what does the range SOP, because I've had an incident with that, and, you know, know the particular range, yeah, the range that we went to, you know, the SOP says that if there's an issue, the range safety officer has the last ruling, Yeah. but if that person doesn't feel that the ruling is just or has problem with the ruling, then they should go out outside of the range like you mentioned and talk to the staff on hand the you know range manager or shop manager right and take it up with them so not to um take the range safety's officer attention away from you know his duties on the range right because the range safety officer can't be a range safety officer if he's, if he's in there arguing with someone over a decision he's made right absolutely and that's a fantastic point and i think the other 
part of that is that if you have those debates and arguments in front of the customers, then you erode the authority that the RSO has. And I think you, you want to avoid that at all costs because then people just figure, hey, we can do what we want to do anyway at this point in time. And that's and that's not good because what the RSO says should go and then any issues with that or debates on that should happen offline and then you're better prepared the next time for it. Yes, absolutely. So uh, in closing, I just want to cover the top four gun safety rules that we should all be adhering to and following at all times. Do you want to take these? Do you want me to? We should know. Them, no, right? I, I, I'll let you close it out. <laughs> all right. Number one, treat all firearms as if they were loaded at all times. And if you listen to our first, very first podcast, you know that I'm of the opinion that that rule in and of itself kind of sets precedence for all others. If you treat, even if you quote unquote, know that firearms unloaded, if you treat it as though it were loaded, then you're set up better for success and being safer. The second f rule of uh, gun safety is keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. And that means just that keep the finger off the trigger and outside that trigger guard until you're ready to engage whatever target you're shooting. And number three is be aware of the muzzle at all times, the business end of the firearm, and do not point it at anything that you are not willing to destroy or kill. And number four is, is being sure of your target and what's beyond it. And by beyond it, I mean beyond it, beside it, around it, or whatever. You want to know what it is you're shooting and what potentially is beyond it, so that you're able to make a better call as to whether or not you should shoot or not. And so those are the four most important top gun safety rules in my mind. Dennis, is there anything you want to add at this point? No, I don't, but I'd like to thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure and fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun. If nothing else, we get to talk about stuff we enjoy, and I appreciate you doing this with me. I, I, I like uh, conversation that I better than I like just talking to the microphone myself, so this is always good. <laughs> I appreciate you doing this for sure. For sure. I have yet to get used to the microphone, so it's always good to actually have a conversation with someone else other than myself. So with that, we'll end this episode 19. And Dennis, I want to thank you once again for being on with us. You're welcome. Thanks so much, guys. If you like what you're listening to, be sure to tell your friends and family. If we can get one bit of information out there that makes you think more about something you haven't before or makes you employ something you haven't before, then we've done our jobs, and that's great. So thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Mm -hmm.